Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Cryptids Decrypted, season five, also known as Bottom of the Barrel. I'm Ashton McCauley. I am your host. I am a dude that reads a lot of Wikipedia uh, articles and stuff no, we, we about monsters. we don't do that anymore. We do in-depth research. This isn't season three anymore. You're right. I watched an episode of River Monsters for this. Uh, and that lovely, silky smooth voice you hear is is John Ceccarelli. Hi, guys. My, my co-host. I'm a nerd. I like being here. I don't do as much research as Ashton. I admit it. <laughs> that's that's why that's why they give me the most coffee in the mornings. You know, I yeah I realize I spent like the last. I feel like because we're recording this back to back weeks with our past episode, I, I think I've just been immersed in the world of uh, actually like a really mixed bag of shitty cryptids and great cryptids like this one. Uh, so I'm really excited about this. What John? What is what is your favorite bin so far? We've covered we've covered three skunk ape, Ozark Heller, U28 creature. What's your what, what's top what's top your list so far? Did we count this one? No, not yet. Okay, this one's gonna blow it out um, of the water. This one's gonna blow it all sky high, just like the U28 creature. Well, it's creature. funny you mentioned Ooh, that. Fucking got it. Yeah, I was gonna say the U28 <laughs> creature because we got to read up about uh, German U-boats, and that is always fun and entertaining. Yeah, I'm still a skunk ape fan myself, and then it twists the head off other, uh, you know, adventurers. Like, just just pops them I, off like a Ken doll. That's pretty sweet. I mean, but you are somebody who anything Yeti or Bigfoot related, and the skunk ape is a cousin of that. Yeah. Um, a variation, a geographical variation of it, if you will. Um, that's gonna rise to the top of the charts. For that me. opens up a whole third book opportunity right there. You know, Mick Ventner and the skunk ape. Then I could do all three. Seems seems right to me. But uh, yeah. So so I just want to say, like, I thought, I thought looking at this, we're, we're covering the Iliamna Lake Monster today. I should just say it. Uh, I thought looking at this that I was like, okay, this is gonna be another like hyper regional myth with absolutely nothing on it. It's gonna be really difficult. Nope. Buckle up, cause this is so much better. Uh, and we don't even get to talk about David George Gordon's internet interdimensional travel theory because this is actually a pretty grounded myth. So we're just gonna. Sweep that off to the side. There's no time traveling cryptids here, just good old fashioned lake monsters. Uh, John, this one's actually a really, really fucking good one, man. Yeah, it is really I hadn't good. heard about it. I hadn't heard about it until, as usual. And hey, if the listener listeners at home are keeping track, that is the same answer I've given for the last three. Until you reached out and said, "Hey, this is what we're doing," I had never heard of this. Um, I saw that it was based out of Alaska, so that immediately got me excited because we haven't done anything in Alaska yet. Uh, the only thing we've that's done true. that's like cold water things was the Ningen, and that was very much in passing. That is just a reminder of the Arctic. Um, so it was really cool to read about and read about this giant fucking body of water, uh, which, Ashton, I'm sure you're going to get into here um, about what is Lake Iliamna and all that kind of stuff, but... Um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Obviously, uh, I'm more along for the ride as usual. Um, and yeah, I think with that being said, I'm gonna kick it over to you. Let's let's kick things off. When did you la- When did you first hear this? Thing? I, so I first heard about it on the same list as the Ozark Keller and the U28 creature, which is fucking fascinating that these three things uh, are equivocated, and they were all, they were all on the list of best of cryptids. And boy, oh boy, is that just a, a list full of swings. Uh, misses and occasionally hits, but Iliamna Lake is a lake in Southwest Alaska. It is between two cities that I've never heard of. Uh, so it's a more useful form of location. It's right are, at the, are they cities uh, or are they towns? I, who, who knows, but it's right at the tip of Alaska's tail that reaches towards Russia. So I think that's like the most important geographical feature that helps me locate where this is on a map. 
Uh, it's the largest lake in Alaska and the third largest lake in the country, which of course means it's going to have uh, some serious legends around it. Its deepest point is around 1,000 feet, which is 600 feet less than Tahoe for those keeping score. Uh, so probably, I don't know. Shout out to Tahoe Tessie. Shout out to one dog. of the most disappointing myths of all time that has a really cool backstory and not enough detail on it. Uh, the lake is also completely cut off from road access, meaning the only reliable way to get there is by float plane, which I'm realizing in my notes, I spelled it P L A I N. Uh, so I guess the planes float here, but anyways, uh, float planes is the only way to get in, uh, or during summer, you can go up the surrounding rivers with boats. Um, the name Iliamna comes from Russian fur traders who claimed the lake as their own in the 1700s because of course there was nobody there before them. Uh, no, just kidding. There was native tribes there long before that, and uh, the Yupik called the lake, and I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry I tried to look at pronunciation, but it's so unreliable. Uh, Nanvarpak, and the Athabascan call it uh, Nilavana. Again, sorry if I butcher those names. Uh, the name Iliamna Lake Monster is appropriate in our case as Iliamna is the name of a mythical great blackfish, which is said to inhabit the lake. And we're not talking about the SeaWorld documentary. However, blackfish is used as a catch-all term for dark-colored whales with teeth, uh, likely what this specific translation was referring to. Something I learned. So we've set the stage for this big-ass lake in Alaska. The next obvious question is, what the hell is in it? And the obvious answer is a lake monster. Also a fuck ton of salmon. And a fuck ton of salmon. That is, that is very important. And we're, we're, This is one of the biggest... We'll cover it too. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of shit that could be in this lake because like turns out when you can only reach something by float plane, it's hard to study and it's hard to get shit in there. And it's hard to destroy an ecosystem. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it, it helps make this relatively untouched. There's no like you, you can't. It's really difficult to overfish it just because it's really hard to get fishermen in there. So how back this creature goes is unclear, but some speculate that its oral history can date back over a thousand years to the early tribes of the region. The Aleut native people. Uh, did not hunt creatures in the lake for fear that they were too dangerous to fishermen in small boats. Uh, so they had this idea that the the creatures that were in this lake were huge. And early settlers also had stories claiming to see something large and monster-like in the water, but there aren't any really great sources for these stories because it was a long fucking time ago. And a lot, a lot of it was orally passed down. Yeah. Um, tribal knowledge, those types of things. Yeah, there's some anecdotal stories of tribes not painting the bottom of their boats red because the monster likes to attack red things. I think the idea is that it looks like a dying creature or perhaps this creature is related to a bull. Uh, it's like a matador thing. They don't want to tempt it into charging them. Uh, some also say that this might be a different interpretation of the Tlingit or Haida myth of Gonakadet or Wazgo. Uh, the easier way to say that is Seawolf. Uh, in general, this creature is told to be a mix of killer whale and wolf. So think a big deadly whale with a wolf's head, fur like a seal, and big ass wolf teeth. According to legend, spotting the sea wolf is a sign of great luck or fortune to come. And fun fact, it's also the mascot for the University of Alaska Anchorage. Wasn't that fun, John? Fun little, I love that. It's a fun little fact there. Uh, I love that. It's also known as a fish god. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, I if I could get like a little, look. If I can find a little stuffed sea wolf, then and I could like put it in my eye line every morning when I wake up, so I spot it every day for good luck. Uh, I like that for myself. I like that story. I'd like to make that happen for me. So uh, please reach out with some Etsy links for me. Uh, in any case, uh, the idea is that there is some large creature dwelling in this lake. It doesn't necessarily love people, and what it looks like is fairly unclear. 
Maybe it's part wolf. Maybe it's a shark. Maybe it's a whale. So far, we have no idea, John. It could be anything. Uh, where we do start to get an idea of what this is is in the 1940s, when a rash of sightings kicked this myth into high gear. And I've structured these in uh, in in order of when they were seen, but I took these from a shit ton of sources. So I, I will say, like a couple of these are actually from. Uh, a native tribe in the region that decided they wanted to do a study of all of the sightings that happened over the years. So they did a really cool uh, just talking to random people and asking them about what they saw. I have just sent you the link to a uh, officially licensed seawolf plushie. Wow. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. Mm, yeah. It's like, it's like imagine the mascot in a suit for a basketball game. It's that. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna bring me left. That's that's not what I'm looking for. I need something a little more, little more real, like a the maybe, University of Alaska Anchorage bookstore let me down. Then you know what? Actually, I think what I want instead is you remember when we talked about the Fiji mermaid, John? Oh, like a, a long time ago. It's yeah, it's like a mummified fish mixed with a monkey skeleton. If I could get that, but a sea wolf, and I can put it in my bedroom, and look, that might lead to a divorce, but if it brings me luck. I'll get I'll get through it okay. Uh, well, if it brings you luck, it's not going to bring you to a divorce. That's what I'm saying. Like we'll get some couples counseling, and then the sea wolf stays. Uh, Dude, high risk, high reward. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, 1940s, 1942. We have Babe Allysworth and Bill Hammersley. First of all, great names for pilots. Great I names. really wish my last name was Hammersley. Maybe I'll change it. Who knows? Uh, Babe. A bush pilot was flying his plane over the lake when he spotted a school of something close to the surface of the water. Whatever the creatures were, they were over 10 feet in length uh, in both his and Hammersley's estimations from the air. They came back for a second pass, lower so that they could get a better look. They said the creatures were dull aluminum in color with heads that were broad and blunt leading back to long tapered bodies, which honestly sounds a little bit like the sea monster we covered last week. Like, you know, I think it's a little more flippery the U-28 creature, but it's kind of close. For those, this is, uh, John and I are on video call, and I'm, I'm making flipper motions with my hands, and I just want you all to be a part of that. Uh, both men noted that the creatures were larger than the Bush Plains pontoons, and followed them until they, and they followed the creatures until they disappeared in a sudden surge of water. Five years later, Bill Hammersley published a short piece about his encounter with the strange creature, and tried to see if anyone else would come forward. Another pilot said they saw something similar in 1945, three years after Bill's original sighting. And like Bill, they said the creature was also dull aluminum in color, but this time stated that it appeared to be over 20 feet long. Uh, this pilot was 600 feet in the air, so estimates are a little bit wishy-washy. What's 10 feet between friends, you know? Well, especially if you're that high up, you're gauging distance based on what landmarks in the water. Probably like holding his thumb out. It's like, uh, that's probably about 20 feet. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, that's what I would do if I was a pilot. I measure things with my thumb. And this is probably why they don't let me fly planes. In 1963, a biologist reported seeing a 25 to 30 foot fish from overhead that did not come up for air. All I got on that sighting says they're a biologist. So seems real to me. Why, why would it come up for air? Why is that part important? Uh, I think because it determines if it is a mammal or a fish. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And we'll get a lot of these are saying, Probably fish, because it's got vertical fin. It comes up in a lot of these. And I can't remember if we talked about this last week or the week before. Vertical fin means fish. Horizontal fin means mammal. Uh, yep. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Everybody everybody knows that. It's like you just got to think of a swordfish. Like, yeah. vertical fin. Yeah, and like a sword. 
That's a vertical fin right there. Swords are fishes. You heard it here first. All swords are fishes. Medieval times just got a lot more interesting. Yep. 1967, possibly the best name we ever had on this podcast, Chuck Crapachet. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I will say we can't laugh too much at Chuck Crapachet because he is dead and was apparently a very good person. Uh, when I was searching for Chuck Crapachet, oh. a lot of stuff that came up was his obituaries. Apparently, everybody really liked him and he was a good pillar of the community. So uh, RIP Chuck Crapachet. But once again, he was a pilot as are most of these sightings, because that's how you get to the lake. Uh, he saw a large animal in the water and put out a call to other people in the area to see if they could also see it. Unfortunately, no one was able to get there in time, but one of his friends was a fisherman and decided to go trolling for it. Uh, if you're not familiar, trolling is when you put in a long line or multiple lines off the back of your boat and move slowly through the water, dragging them along. You, so this isn't sitting under a bridge asking people for money? No, but you know, like it, it would be really funny if... Trolling meant fishing under a bridge. Like that would be great. That's way more on brand. Uh, but anyways, I, it's probably it's spelled differently, I think. But uh, so usually when you're trolling, you use a lure that gives the illusion of movement when you're pulling it through the water. So it looks like a real fish. So his friend put tuna hooks and caribou meat on some lines, tossed them off the back of his plane's pontoons. Uh, for context, the largest tuna ever caught was 1,500 pounds. So the lines and hooks he were using were really damn strong. Uh, and from experience, I can tell you that tuna put up a hell of a fight. I once fought one for almost two hours and I wanted to die afterward. And I saw color right as it came to the boat and then it snapped the line. It was, Oh no. Yeah. We traded off with like, I fought it. My dad fought it. Uh, some of the boat hands fought it. They said it was this giant tuna. We, we like barely saw it once and then we could not get it in the boat. And that was my first time ever deep sea fishing. It was awful. Uh, or I guess like sport fishing. Anyways, we're not. This is not a fishing podcast, but I just I wanted to throw it in there. I fought a tuna one time. They're hard to catch. Uh, <laughs> so this guy, bunch of tuna cables tied to the pontoons of the float plane, and then all of a sudden he gets this huge bite, uh, enough that it tips the plane and knocks him in the water. The plane then starts getting pulled fast enough that he can't swim back to it, and he has to make a break for shore because it's an Alaskan lake. You can't swim in it for very long before you know hypothermia sets in and you die. Uh, luckily, he did swim to shore and was eventually able to recover the plane miles away as it had been towed around the lake. Uh, there was multiple people apparently reported seeing the plane moving against the current on the lake being pulled by whatever was underneath it. When he got back, three of the lines were broken. The hooks that were remaining were straightened out. And this is a nine inch hook. So straightening out a nine inch hook, you got to be fucking big. Uh, he, su he suspects that it might have been a beluga whale which have been known on a rare occasion to get into the lake. And at this point, like if you knew that whales sometimes get into the lake, why, why would you go trolling for them? And why would you go trolling for them on a plane? Like trying to hook a whale with hooks coming off the back of a plane just seems like a bad, like what would you do with all that whale meat? How are you going to get it out? Can you transport an entire whale on a float plane? I don't think you can. This guy's making some really poor decisions. Um, probably not, but isn't there a fishing village on this lake? You know what? That's probably right. Okay, so there's probably a place that he could, but I mean, like, what, you think they're going to buy, they're going to buy whale meat? They're, they're, they're just going to buy could, beluga whale meat? They could potentially store it for him to come back to. You heard it here, guys. John thinks that there's a beluga whale meat market on Lake Iliamna. Uh, so if, if it's not there, 
you go you go find him and talk to him about that. I, I think it's bullshit. Look, show me the evidence it's not there, and then I'll believe. <sighs> Look, this is a cryptids podcast, Ashton. You have to trust that they're out there. I still think he's dumb for fishing for whales on a float plane. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's that's. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with that. He lost his fucking plane as a result. I mean, he got like, it back. He got it back. Uh, it's also worth noting that Crapshet is said to have seen the creature multiple times, but I can't find anything anywhere about the other sightings other than this first one. Uh, same time, Tim Laporte, you guessed it, another pilot. Uh, Tim was flying over Pedro Bay, which is at the northern end of the lake, when he spotted a 12 to 14 foot fish with a vertical tail. Uh, that's how you know it's a fish, John. Everybody knows that. Uh, the creature was briefly on the surface before diving down to the depths. Unlike others, Tim had two witnesses who corroborated the story and said the creature made a big arching splash and dove straight down when the plane got closer. They all reported that the creature had gray or dark brown skin, which is pretty damn close to aluminum coloring, like the other sightings. In 1979, the Anchorage Daily News offered $100,000 for tangible evidence of the Iliamna creature or creatures. This attracted a mix of people to go looking for it. Apparently, one person tried to play classical music to get it to come up from the bottom, which I just think is fun flavor. Uh, like, that guy knew what, what he was doing. What kind of music do you think he was going for? Do you think it was Mozart? I, I, I think that sea creatures are more like Bach fans, but I, w- I really wish I knew enough about composers to make some sort of composer fish-based pun, uh, but I don't. Uh, so, you know, just going to move on past that. Uh, unfortunately, there's been no big scientific expeditions to come look for this creature the biggest that I've seen, well, talk about one later, but really, honestly, River Monsters is probably the biggest one. And like most episodes of River Monsters, it was a big pile of, well, actually, River Monsters isn't always a big pile of bullshit. This one was a big pile of nothing, where they just looked for something and didn't find it. 1987, a resident reported seeing a large black fish with a white stripe down its fin. Sound familiar? We've all seen Free Willy. Uh, not clear if it was a black fish or a black fish. But either way, big aqueous thing that wasn't supposed to be in Lake Iliamna. 1988, several locals saw a large black fish. Again, disambiguation needed. Don't know if it was a black fish or a black fish. Uh, I, I honestly can't tell with these people. And it had a fin swimming near the surface. Oh, if it had a fin, that means it was a black fish. Not a black fish because black fish are mammals. We're learning so much today. Uh, I'm lost. <laughs> I really hope that people are not listening to this podcast stoned because this is going to be very confusing for them. There are black fish and then there are black fish. They're two separate things. Black fish, vertical fin. Black fish, horizontal fin. Everybody gets it. Super simple. (laughs) Uh, One has a space in the name. One doesn't. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's all in my intonation. I think it's clear. Uh, (laughs) So 2008. Uh, Wait for it, John. It's another pilot story. Uh, once more. 2008, though, I mean, that was a banking crisis. Is this somebody who was a former banker? That's a good question. We don't know. A lot of bankers went to Alaska, pretty sure. Uh, look, <laughs> <laughs> again, just something everybody knows. When the, when the housing market crashed and the banks went bust, they all went to Alaska. That's how we got Sarah Palin. Very simple. Simple math, people. Just use your brains. Uh, so once more, <laughs> we have some pilots flying over Lake Iliamna, just taking in the sights as pilots do. They got near deep water drop off and saw a large aquatic mammal, again, mammal, horizontal <laughs> tail in a stretch of shallows. Uh, so that would be a black fish, not a black fish. Uh, at first I thought it might be a seal, 
Oh, sorry, this is a quote. This is not me saying this. At first, I thought it might be a seal, but it looked too big, too finny. It was dark and sinuous. Also, they say it's too finny, which means it was not but a black was a fish. <laughs> it was a black fish. <laughs> well, what what if what if they could see the horizontal fins ashed in through the through the surface? What if a what if a black fish swims on his side, and then the fin becomes vertical? Is it then a black fish? Yeah, no, I honestly it's, don't it's, know anymore, John. I can't keep it straight. He's doing a, a scissor swim, where you know it's it's he's swimming on his side. It's scissor kicking, scissor kicking blackfish. So today I learned that sinuous means it has many curves and turns, or it is supple and lithe. So it is unclear if they were calling the monster bendy or just making a pass at it. Uh, you know, Man, <laughs> sinuous has multi-purpose uses. Yeah, it really does. Like, like goddamn, damn whale, you sinuous. Uh, like, I don't know. It could mean many things. Is it a curvy whale or is it a sexy whale? Hard to tell. I guess. Or does it just like to travel? Is it curvy or curvy? Uh, two different meanings, just like blackfish and blackfish. Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm so sorry, viewers. I don't know how we got here. Put it on merch. Blackfish or blackfish? (laughs) No, 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 we're not fucking with that. Getting getting t-shirts made. Uh, Okay, so this creature was real bendy and writhing around in the shallows, just being all sexy-like. Once more, they sighted the creature. They said it had a vertical fin. Man, I forgot my own notes. I said later it had a vertical fin, so it's a blackfish. Uh, People initially suggested that this sighting might be a sturgeon. Back back on it now. It might be a sturgeon. (sighs) But the person from this sighting once again stated that sturgeon are just too rigid. They don't have the right rhythm. Uh, they actually said it looked like more of a placostomus. So a placostomus, you can find these in a lot of fish tanks. Uh, they clean the bottom. They clean the glass. Uh, Lauren, if you're listening and I get my placostomus facts wrong, I'm so sorry that I offended you. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do more research about fish. You hear how much trouble I have with blackfish and blackfish? Anyways, they clean the glass, so they're like great rebounders on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They clean the glass. Okay, yeah. Good. Uh, so placostomus, the, the big problem with the idea of this being a placostomus, and that's that they're warm water fish for the most part. They live in temperatures between seventy-two and eighty-six degrees Fahrenheit, which would again mean Alaska is way too fucking cold. Uh, another issue: the largest placostomus ever bred was thirty inches, which is quite big, uh, but not big that's enough not to be a lake monster. What? Yeah, it's not thirty feet. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just a inches. few feet shy. Uh, oh, damn. There are some really big placostomus, John, at the Oregon Zoo in the, uh, you know, the, the rainforest section where they have the thunderstorms. In, the, oh. in those fish tanks, they have some really big placostomus in there. They're very cool. Okay. Because I, I go to the Oregon Zoo like 12 times a year. So, yeah, I love I love that zoo. Uh, those, and I love that's my favorite part of the zoo. But the placostomus are great. It's it's a place that I can take my kids and have a semblance of sanity. So, yep. yeah, I feel that. I mean, I can't take my dogs there. That's that's why I can't go to our zoo anymore. But Louis Louis would eat everybody there. I mean, he might just go with the tapirs, like where he belongs. <laughs> Still in 2008, we have John, another pilot. Uh, he's no. Yeah, I know. He saw what he initially thought was a beluga whale, but quickly realized it had to be something else. Do you, know, do you know why he realized it couldn't be a beluga whale, John? Because it had a vertical. It had fin. a vertical fin. <laughs> The creature was moving in a side-to-side motion because it had a vertical fin. And as mentioned before, whale tails go up-down. Fish go side-side. So this was a black fish. Um, 
And whale tails go to the mall when they want attention too. This is how we get canceled. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, so, okay. So we've gotten to 2008. We've made a lot of disambiguations, but like clearly most of these are saying big, big fish. In 2016, this story comes secondhand through a nameless source uh, reporting to the, I'm sorry, the Nick Tribal Council uh, who put out a call for sightings. It's where a lot of this information came from, like I said before. This person said that some friends flew into fish and look at the seals in the lake. Sounds like a great day. They found the seals in the rocky shallows at the edge of the lake, but immediately noticed they were acting strange, possibly even afraid. Uh, this man's friends thought that there might be a grizzly or something nearby, started fishing and thought nothing of it. A few minutes later, they caught something in their line that the person reported. Uh, the person reporting seems to think was very strange. Uh, John, I've shared a picture with you in the notes, uh, but I'll describe it for our listeners. It is a black greenish creature breaking the surface in shallow water. To be honest, the picture doesn't make it look that big. And like, so I thought the same thing. It, it looked really small, like six feet max. And it also looks like an alligator. Yeah. Like I can't really, there's not a lot of sense of scale to this picture. Um, but you know, they didn't have their thumb out from the plane, right? Yeah, right? Like, they didn't have their thumbs. They couldn't tell how big it was. When these people are fishing, they're not in a plane. Should know it. But they should still use their thumb just for good measure to see how big it is. Uh, The person telling the story said they thought it looked reptilian in nature, which we covered last week. Doesn't work in cold water. Uh, Reptiles would be dead. Uh, Creature broke the line and swam off, so it's big enough to break a line. And uh, a quote from the person says, I'm sure the naysayers will claim it's a rockfish, but I've been fishing for over 30 years. That's no rockfish. Even over at Lake Clark, I'm sure there's undiscovered species of something. And to be honest, it actually does look a lot like a rockfish to me. Uh, it, it, looks, it looks like a simple rockfish. So, you know, who cares about that sighting? 2020, uh, the year year of our Lord, 2020, uh, when everything fell apart. A man told a story about seeing an 18-foot creature that looked very similar to an orca whale. He said he saw the creature beneath the surface as it was headed for deeper water. The man also claims to have seen it going after salmon when he was a child. Also worth noting, the Nick Tribe chief scientist Bruce Wright has been attempting to document evidence of this monster since 2016. So far, he has found uh, he hasn't found anything other than normal fish and the occasional seal. But if anyone is going to get evidence of the creature, it's going to be this guy because he's using non-harmful methods to try and document it, which involves bait poles going down deep using high-definition cameras under the water and like. He's, he's actually setting up to try and figure out what this is, which is like, uh, I forget who I talked to. I talked to, I interviewed somebody on this podcast. Maybe it might've been one of my Benjamin Radford interviews where we talked about like, what is the way you record evidence? And like, how do you, if you're going to study cryptids, like this is the way to do it. Right. So like, there's no evidence of the monster yet, but like, this is the best chance you're going to have of getting it. This is the way. Yeah, this is the way. So what could it actually be? The going theory seems to be that it's a really big fucking sturgeon. Uh, As a reminder, sturgeon are big armored filter feeders that live in fresh water. You can find them just about anywhere because they are hardy as fuck. Uh, We talked about them in the last season's Cryptid Royale with the Altamaha monster in Georgia. The largest sturgeon ever captured was 1,600 pounds in the Volga Delta, Europe, just north of the Caspian Sea, and it was 23 feet long. It's uh, a big fucking fish. Yeah, that was 1827, so it was a while a while ago. But you know, uh, in 1987, they found an 11 foot sturgeon dead along the shores of Lake Washington. Sad. I, I don't, 
that's so that's just a that's just a story of there was a big fish near me. I live near Lake Washington, you know. So big fish, they happen. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, g- given that this is a really remote lake, there probably isn't a ton of overfishing. Um, I see that it is extremely plausible that we're dealing with a group of surgeon that have just grown. Um, because there's nothing there to overfish them, nothing there to threaten them. There's plenty of things for them to eat. Uh, a researcher from the University of Washington studied the salmon populations in this lake and neighboring lakes, and he said, "I'm sure there's a big fish. I think the lakes have lots of, I think the lakes have lot of interesting secrets. We don't know much about other resident fish in the lake." A sturgeon expert said, "Most biologists I've talked to say that white sturgeon over 20 feet and 1,800 pounds are highly probable." Worth noting, no one has ever caught a sturgeon in this lake. It's just, uh, oh, oh yeah, it's it's worth noting, like, so, like, this lake, there's a theory that maybe the sturgeon got their, like, their holdouts from, uh, basically, like, when the, when the glaciers receded during the Ice Age, the sturgeon got into the lake and evolved separately from other sturgeon because there's no way for them to get out. So that's interesting. Um, and then the extra fun theory uh, is that this creature might actually be a shark. Uh, the sleeper shark is a cold water predator known for feeding off the coast of Alaska. Uh, these motherfuckers just suck in their prey into a bunch of teeth and kind of hope it shreds them to bits. Holy shit. They just like, they just suck them in and then like just shred them. Uh, they eat just about everything. And one quote said, uh, in the bodies of sleeper sharks, they have found just about every marine mammal in their stomach. <laughs> Uh, they have been recorded at being up to 20 feet. Uh, in 2012, there is a verified video of a sleeper shark in brackish, which means part salt and part fresh water, uh, lagoon that's like relatively close to Lake Iliamna, not close enough that it's like, it's probably this, but it happens. No one has seen these sharks in fully freshwater lakes, but scientists definitely think that it's a possibility. They are known for living in deep water and they're called sleeper sharks because they have generally low activity levels and perceived non-aggression. So low activity level, deep water, eat just about anything, kind of tracks that they'd maybe be hard to find. The thing that I think is interesting is that I'm actually not seeing any cryptozoologists talking about what kind of cryptid this might be. Um, It's like there's no theory that this is like a plesiosaur or some sort of holdout uh, from like the, I mean, I guess there's like kind of that it's a prehistoric surgeon, but like there's no theory that these are like dinosaurs or something like that hiding in the lake. Um, and 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 with that in mind, I will say I have no conspiracy corner today because I don't think this myth needs it. Like we've got so many probable explanations that are cool that I'm just gonna leave it. And like that's that's it. That's all the evidence I have. Uh, John, that's the Iliamna Lake monster. I miss anything? What do What do um, you think? If you're curious about it, like Ashton had said at the top of the thing, Discovery Channel did a River of Monsters episode on it back in 2010. Um, that's the only other thing I got. I have a note in here that says gargantuan northern pike question mark. Um, I think we're kind of aligned that it's a big fucking fish, and there's probably a family of them in there. It's a giant, giant, giant body of water where it's. Over a thousand square miles, that's really fucking big for a body of water. I mean, if you look into the thousand foot max depth and the average, you know, depth, the cubic miles that are covered in there, it's just absurd. So, yeah, I mean, just this is, you know, pretty, pretty nuts to think about um, this fish. 
I did miss one thing too. I miss I missed a le- the the legend of Lake Iliamna and like what this thing might be. Uh the basics of it go because I for some reason didn't write it down, but uh giant fish flopping around on land uh is what caused the crater that is Lake Iliamna because it's kind of shaped like a fish. And the spawn of that fish are the monsters that live in this lake. That's pretty badass. I mean it's very oh. it that that does sound like kind of an Alaskan native um story that that tracks um because the sightings do date back to well before alaska was even a state which is kind of weird to think about um yeah i think it's a really cool thing a lot of stuff actually makes sense here and the fact that it is so difficult to go study it um you know this could actually be a real thing ashton yeah i know so as a reminder we rate our cryptids on three factors, believability, cool factor, and how fun it was to research. We rate each of those on a one to four scale. And with that, John, I got to This is this is my first four for believability. Uh, like, let me explain. I don't think there's a sea monster in the lake, but I do believe that there is some undiscovered population of giant fish. There's just too many sightings that are actually credible and like multiple eyewitness accounts that corroborate one another. And biologists that just say, yeah, Lake Big, that I just, I believe something's in there. And like, there's so much spectrum of reality to this myth that I, I buy into it. So I'm going to give it a four. I think there's, I do think there is a giant fucking fish in this lake. I believe it. And I, you know what, John? You know what? I think it's a black fish. I don't think it's a black fish. I think it's a black fish. So you heard it here first. Okay. I also yeah. give it a four, but also um, on the the thought process that, yes, there have been a lot of sightings, but we're always discovering new creatures in water. And this is a place that's very hard to get to. And why would scientists go study it in the first place? So it's not a priority. Um, we've discovered or we've explored more of the moon than we have our own oceans. So... With that being said, I, I fully believe that there's stuff in that giant body of water. Um, it's too bad Jacques Cousteau never made it there with his submersible to find, um, you know, Could have blown a hole in the river, you know, new shit. Uh, but yeah, that's I'm I'm also rating it a four. Yeah, uh, cool factor. Uh, I'm gonna give it a two. Uh, the stories about it snapping fish lines and whatnot are neat. Uh, but none of them really give me that like damn factor of some of these other ones. Like there's, I don't know. Like it's also why this myth is so much more believable than the other shit we cover because like they don't, there there isn't anything that's like wacky or off the rails about it. It's just, it's just big fish. I'm going to give it a 1.78. Whoa. Um, it's a fish. It's a yeah. big fish. Yeah. Nothing cool about a big fish. What do you fucking do? Uh, fun to research, giving it a three. Actually, no, I'm going to bump it up to a 3.5 because I haven't laughed that hard recording an episode in maybe the history of this show. Uh, so 3.5. But you're, you're, you're giving the humor to the research. Cause yeah. Cause I mean like the reason it's funny, the reason it's funny is because of all the research that went into blackfish and blackfish and all the times I had to disambiguate that shit. I don't know. I had a, I had a really good time researching this one. It's a, you know, a 3.25. You've, you've talked me down. 3.25. Uh, I'm giving it a 2.75. 2.75. It, it had some cool things to it. You know, it, it, it wasn't a two, 
That gives it a final score of 17.78, which means... This is vamp music while I adjust it so that I can put it in the cryptid tracker. Uh, 17.78 puts it in between the Kushtaka and the Mothman. I do like the Mothman. I, I remember, I think I was hotter on Kushtaka than you were. What was the Kushtaka again? Uh, you know, let's, we got, we got some, we got some time here. Let me, let me take a look. I believe that was from, that was definitely from a Cryptid Royale. Uh, but it was one of your myths. Wow. I should yeah. Really know oh, wait. About it, yeah. Then. Okay. Here we go. No, you know, I didn't write anything down about the Kushtaka. Uh, you know, it was the, the seal people, the seal people that kidnap kids. Fuck. So then we did do a crypt or uh, an Alaskan cryptid. Was the Kushtaka in Alaska? Dude, shifting creatures found in the folklore of the Tlingit, which this creature was found in the folklore of the Tlingit. Oh, Early man. sightings come from the native Tlingit people referring to the thing as Ghana Cadet. Wait, oh, what? That That's also... Wait, this... The mm-hmm. Kushtaka is also Ghana Cadet? No. Oh, okay. No, no, okay, no. okay I'm okay, saying okay, that... Oh, okay. That's... I'm reading my note right now. Yeah. The earliest sightings of... The Iliamna Lake monster um, are the Gunna Cadet. So they're like basically it, cousins at this point. It, I mean, well, I, I wouldn't say that. They just, earliest sightings came from the same tribe of people. Basically cousins is what I'm hearing. Uh, no. <laughs> this is not Alabama. They're not kissing and having sex. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, the Altamaha monster has a lot of cousins from Georgia. But that's it. That's the Iliamna Lake monster. You, you heard it here first. So that puts it, its ranking is number 12. Out of the 24 cryptids that we have ranked so far, we're going to have to do a, not a cryptid royale redux, just a cryptid redux where we go back through our past episodes and rank them so that we can have them all. Because, you know, if this is the last season of Cryptids Decrypted, we we need to put out a stack ranking at the end of where we think everything fell. Just just a level set. Number one right now is the Megalodon. Number 24 is the Ozark Heller. <laughs> so That tracks. Yep. Uh, so we will see you all next week. And let me let me see if I can get a little teaser of what we're covering next week. I think it's a good one, if I remember right. Uh, I mean, we're trending up week over week. We went from the Ozark Howler oh, to this, to oh, U28 yeah. to this. Next week, we're going to the Big Easy. And I, look, my only spoiler for everybody else is, I don't know if this counts as a cryptid, but I've done so much fucking research about this thing to write a book that uh, we're, we're, we're talking about it because I'm, I'm reusing that knowledge and it's a lot of fun. So we'll have a lot of fun with some uh, myths, legends, and there's some really good stories for next week that I'm excited to tell. So we'll see you guys in a week. Bye, Bye guys. guys.